Hey, this is Greg. And Zach. Welcome back to the Harvest Gate podcast. This week, we finish our value series with a conversation about our fifth and final value, kingdom focused. We'll discuss the definition of kingdom, how Harvest Gate's kingdom focus is central to our mission here in Central Ohio, and a very conveniently timed episode this is, uh, in that it is Easter Sunday. So happy Easter to everyone listening. Uh, our kingdom, yeah, our kingdom focus kind of ties nicely uh, into Easter. You know, Zach, we started this value series all the way back about two months ago, and it almost feels like we planned to finish with this final episode today. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we, Greg, we're definitely that good of planners. We did plan it out this way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Let me just update the notes <laughs> to reflect that uh, after the fact. So someone might believe us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, help. Happy Easter, everyone. Uh, it is resurrection Sunday, a day that we, uh, celebrate the risen savior. We're, we're just excited to be with you today and to talk about this great topic uh and our value of being kingdom focused absolutely so i want to you know kind of pick apart bits and pieces of that terminology i think that's been a big focus of our value series is to sort of define uh our values and what they mean and how they apply to us so let's start at the beginning with kingdom what would you define as the kingdom yeah so it's interesting, Greg, uh, kind of as we've already talked about, um, as as I was preparing for today's podcast, I just through prayer, I, I could not help but to shake this this reality that Easter uh, and, and really all of Passion Week um, and Easter um, are are intimately tied to the kingdom. And so um from maybe what i would call an internal side of things uh this is how we would say that we are kingdom focused we believe that the kingdom of god consists more of uh more than just the church it's all of his creation thus we feel compelled to engage in this redemptive work across cultural societal faith and environmental divides so that the world may know and experience the rule and reign of the triune god uh so that's kind of how we would say it here i know that's a little lengthy um but th- i think there's really uh profound theological um uh implications of what the kingdom is. Uh, so first of all, you can't have a kingdom without a king, correct? Um, at least I'm not aware of any. Yeah, it stands king. to reason. You know, modern monarchies might say queens work too, but yeah, certainly in this context. Yeah, if some some monarchal, um, I don't know if that's a word, but uh, monarchal figure. Um, but um, so so we have to understand that the kingdom of God comes in opposition to, maybe not opposition, because that's not the, uh, but maybe uh, in, uh, comes in, oh man, what's the best way to say this? Uh, as a, as a reverse correlation to earthly kingdoms. Mm, and what okay. I, what I mean by that is earthly kingdoms are often defined by uh, power 
and might and economic uh, power and might and uh, a big um, war chest and a big war uh, machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because generally what happens is that kings or queens become kings or queens because they defeated other kingdoms. Um, but what we learn in Ephesians, I believe it's chapter six, is that uh, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And so we must always understand that that the kingdom of God is never against people, um, but rather uh, it is against the the evil and demonic systems which are in the world. So we right. might say that it's an invisible kingdom with visible effects. And so, um, so I'll do a, the best I can to be concise about this, but to give a little bit of history about what was happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, God, uh, creates all of creation and shortly thereafter, sin enters into the world. And at this point we are, uh, we are introduced to this, uh, sterling character, uh, the devil, uh, or Satan and the, the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word for Satan is Hasatan and, uh, that literally just means uh, the accuser. Um, it, so as, as I understand the Satan or the satanic, it is not a, a person with uh, devil horns and a, and a cape uh, and a pitchfork, um, but rather it's um, a, a very real kingdom, so to speak, that uh, is manifest through through as in John 10 10 says it says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy that would be uh, the satanic he says but I have come Jesus has come so that we might have life and have it to the full so Satan comes into the scene causes um, uh, causes uh, evil <laughs> to happen uh, it's kind of this maniacal story um, and uh, we learn that God creates this this perfect world where there's no sin, there's no shame or death, or uh, or anything like that. There's there's complete and perfect union, and that is destroyed by sin. And so God uh, reveals Himself over the course of many thousands of years to the Israelite people or what eventually will become the Israelite people. And he does so in a various in various different ways. First he uh comes uh and he tells Abraham, I'm going to uh make you a great nation and you uh through your line you will be a blessing to the nations. And then um shortly after that uh uh, we receive the law, um, and in the form of the Ten Commandments, and then uh, a bunch more laws and commands were given after that, and those were mostly uh, man-made laws. So 
I think there's something like 613 commandments that are in, mm. in, in the Old Testament. Okay. And, and what we learn through that is, is that uh, the law is incapable of saving us. We learned this later in the book of Romans that, that God said, uh, God through Paul says that the law uh, is not, it doesn't bring salvation. All it does is it makes us aware of our sin. Um, it, the law is good, but basically what it does is it holds this standard up to us that we go, I can't, I nor anyone could meet this standard. And so, um, so God sends judges to uh, kind of do exactly what they're called, judge. Um, and that goes not very well because many of the judges that came along are really not super great people. Um, and there's a lot of violence done. Uh, again, we, so we have this, uh, this earthly perspective that, that a kingdom comes through power and military might. Um, and so, um, after the, like during the time of the judges, uh, Israel starts saying, we want a king, we want a king because every other, you know, major nation in the world has, uh, has kings. We want a king. And God says, yeah, I mean, no. it's looking, you know, it's looking like it's working okay for other people. Let's try it out. <laughs> yeah. And God says, no, 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 you don't want a king. I am your king. And they're like, no, we want a king. And he's like, no, you, you don't because I'm your king. They said, we want a king. And he says, fine, I will give you a king, but it's going to result. It's not going to be good for you. And um, so they, they pick a king, and he's a good-looking king. I mean, he's tall, he's handsome, uh, he just looks like a king. And things went well for a little bit, and then, uh, like it does with a lot of uh, people who gain power, it quickly turns sour. <laughs> exhibit, uh, exhibit one of many. Yes. Um, and this pattern continues. Um, and we, you know, we see King David, he comes and he was a good benevolent King, yet he also had lots of issues. Um, I mean, he, uh, he essentially, uh, uses his kingly authority and rapes Bathsheba and gets her pregnant and ends up, um, uh, sending her husband, uh, to the front line so that he can die to cover up his sin. And uh, so it's, it's crazy. Uh, the Bible does not cover up any of the brokenness of our, uh, of our heroes, so to speak. Um, yeah. And so, so we have uh, King David and it just, he was a good King though. After him, it just really started going downhill. And so, once again, God says, yeah, um, I told you so. Um, <laughs> and Try to tell you. Yeah, and so, so we start hearing this language about a Messiah. And a Messiah literally just means a, a, the anointed one. Um, and uh, the anointed one, uh, also referred to as the Christ, uh, Christ and Messiah mean the same thing, anointed one. Uh, it is this one who, uh, as Israel understands it, he is going to come in and and restore Israel to its proper place in the world. Um, and so 
Israel starts, you know, kind of uh, showing signs that they are uh, reaching what it is that all kingdoms do, and that's power and might and economic power and uh, military might. And God starts, then God sends in the the prophets, and the prophets start saying, you need to start acting justly. You need to start acting, uh, like, come back to your first love and remember these things, for you were once a uh, foreigners in a distant land. You need to treat foreigners with respect. You need to love the poor. You need to care for the orphans and the widows and the marginalized. And they're like, whatever, God. Um, and he's like, okay, um, judgment is going to come, and it's going to come through other earthly kingdoms. And so that God sends the prophets to kind of warn them of this. And um, what we learn about prophets is uh, when when prophets essentially present God to the people and saying, Come back to God. Return to God. Remember your first love. Honor. You know, it's this this call for justice and mercy. Um, and many of those prophets ended up being murdered by those who are in power. And uh, and so the first uh, the first round of judgment comes uh, through the Assyrians, and they come in and they uh, destroy Israel, and uh, not the Assyrians, the, uh, yes, yeah, the Assyrians, and then the Persians, and then the Babylonians come. And this kind of just starts uh, a, a, a pattern uh, of, of other kingdoms coming in and, and uh, just really wreaking havoc on the Israelite people. Mm. Um, then enter Jesus. We are told throughout Scripture there's these prophecies, and prophecy is not necessarily future telling, um, but there are these there are these signs and these pictures that point forward to this new Messiah, this new King. And again, we have this earthly lens. Oh, okay, so this King's going to come, and he's going to uh, to win back what we have lost. And so, so Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts doing these amazing things. Uh, but it's kind of interesting, even how Jesus comes, he doesn't come, uh, with this, uh, big pomp and circumstance rather he is born, um, uh, to a refugee family who's on the run from another tyrant King. Uh, and spends the first couple of years of his life in exile in Egypt. Uh, he's born not in a palace, uh, but in a, uh, in a cave where animals sleep. And it's like, this is not really the picture of how we would imagine that a king would come. But this would prove to be a pattern uh, of, of this new kingdom. And so Jesus's ministry starts, he heals people, he feeds people, he casts out unclean spirits. He does all of these amazing and wonderful things. And people start talking, uh -huh. this is the 
this is the guy who's come. Like he's going to come and he's going to release us from our bondage, from this oppressive earthly government called the Romans. And, um, and we see that there are these other, uh, there's the sects of, um, of Jews. There's different sects. There's the, there's the Samaritan, or not the Samaritans, the, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and the Essenes. And the Zealots were this radical group of people who, uh, they were revolutionaries. And so they practiced murder and things like that to try to gain uh, kind of this very Machiavellian uh, way of seizing power, kind of like Guy Fox, maybe. Um, and so, so this is just kind of the political climate that Jesus comes into, where there's uh, lots of power plays, and there's people who pander to um, to the uh, to the Roman authorities, and there's there's rumor that there is this this man from Galilee who is going to come and set the people free and release them from their captors and their oppressors. Um, and so we see the scene, and I, I'm moving through very quick in this story, but so Jesus comes in. Um, we celebrated this last Sunday on Palm Sunday, where Jesus comes in uh, riding on a donkey, as is, uh, as is referred to in the Gospels, as this triumphant entry into, uh, into Jerusalem. And this is juxtaposed to... Um, to Pilate, who's also coming in to Jerusalem at the same time, except Pilate is coming in, riding on a war horse with a military parade, um, uh, just really showing his might and power, while Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, not even a donkey, but a donkey's colt. Um, and this is really how Jesus's kingdom is put on display. Once again, very humble, very uh, I don't want to say passive, but very meek. And so people are coming in shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to the highest. Uh, and they're thinking, this is the king. This is the guy who's going to come mm -hmm. and and uh, wipe out our Roman oppressors. Well, as they see, as the week goes on, this is not really what's happening. And then we come to uh, what we what we refer to as... Uh, Monday, Thursday, and this is the Thursday uh, uh, before Good Friday. Uh, Monday, Thursday, another name for Monday, Thursday, Mandate Thursday, where, where, where Jesus gives this new command, this new covenant to his disciples, and we find this in uh, Luke chapter twenty-two, and this is this is what we read. In Luke 22, see if I can pull it up here real quick. Uh, it says this. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And other versions say, uh, until the kingdom of God has has arrived, and and all throughout Jesus's ministry, he's coming and he's announcing this uh, this 
kingdom. Um, and Jesus says, <laughs> um, I eagerly desire to eat this Passover meal with you. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks to take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, you will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. It says, in the same way, after, um, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of whom is going to betray me is with me, and the Son of Man will go as it has been uh, decreed. But woe to though that man who betrays me. And then Jesus uh, kind of addresses, you're used to earthly kingdoms. And these earthly kingdoms, um, these earthly kingdoms try to take their power and lord it over people. But it will not be the same with you. And then that night, uh, Jesus is betrayed with a kiss by Judas, and he is arrested. And we see Jesus' coronation um, happens through mockery. And we find this in Mark chapter 15, and we read this. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium. And they called out the entire regiment, and they dressed him in a purple road, robe, and they wove a thorn, uh, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, "Hail, King of the Jews!" And they struck him on the head with a reed and spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. And when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, put on his own clothes again. And they led him away to be crucified. Not the way that we would imagine uh, a cor- the coronation of, of this king for the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, Jesus eventually takes his throne, and his throne is not uh, a big golden throne or like the throne from Game of Thrones. It's just made with a bunch of swords. Rather, it's a Roman cross. And this, this is the kingdom of God. That it's marked not by power, but rather the laying down of power. It's, it's marked by forgiveness, because as Jesus is on the cross, uh, looking at his accusers and his murderers, he says this about them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. They mock him again, saying, "Hey, if you really are the king, if you really, why don't you, uh, why don't you call down, uh, you know, why don't you call down angels and save you?" Uh, but Jesus, in Jesus's kingdom, he would rather die than to see his enemies killed. And what happens on the cross is Jesus vanquishes these powers and principalities that came in in the Genesis story. It was not a a power uh, grab against earthly kingdoms, but rather against evil uh, 
powers and principalities of, of an invisible kingdom. And Jesus defeats sin. He defeats shame and guilt and death by swallowing up death so that death had no power over him. And today, what we celebrate is that victory for what we know is that Jesus could not be confined to the grave, but rather he was raised victorious in life. And so, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is marked by humility, mercy, justice, and love. And and when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, before all of that happened, um, it's almost like it couldn't be described. Uh, because what he would say is the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, it's like, it's like. Um, and so he gives all of these parables. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The parable of God is like a, like a lost coin by a, by a widow woman. Uh, the parable of God is like uh, migrant workers who get paid different wages for doing or uh, get paid the same wage for doing different amount different amounts of work the kingdom of god is like uh, a prodigal son who who runs away from his father but yet his father welcomes him home and gives him a ring and a fattened calf and throws a big party and throws a robe over his shoulders and says my son was once dead but now he is alive. Uh, the kingdom of God is, is powerful. So it's an invisible kingdom with visible effects. And I realized that that was like a, a whirlwind to talk about and just to introduce <laughs> this idea. Um, well, but... I think it it's good to have context and to have, I think if we're going to say that we're, kingdom focused then what is the kingdom and for anyone who's unclear on that uh definition i think it helps to create that context to understand that which i think uh creates a a smooth transition to how does harvestgate focus itself toward kingdom efforts like what what is the definition of that value for us yeah it's so it's interesting um you know maybe I think where the church in at, at large has fallen short is that we tend to, to minimize the kingdom of God. And what we do is we say, I don't know if we would say it this way, but we behave this way, uh, that the, the church or sorry, that the kingdom of God is a subset of the church rather than the church being a subset of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, and so going back to maybe our definition, I'll, I'll say it again. We believe that the kingdom of God consists of more than just the church. It's all of his creation. Thus, we feel compelled to engage in redemptive work across cultural, societal, faith, and environmental divides so that the world may know and experience the rule and the reign of God. And so I think that this one, if, if we look at our five values, I, I think that they're really cyclical, right? Where we are uh, Jesus-centered. 
and discipleship driven so that we point people back to Jesus. And through our discipleship, we push people into the community to work in and through our communities. And we do this by being missionally minded and engaging in the mission of God. And this results in this kingdom focus that we aren't, we are not, um, our, our primary focus is not the church. Our primary focus is not Harvest Gate, but rather announcing and uh, and and experiencing and uh, helping to shed light on the kingdom of God, um, uh, which then pushed us back to Jesus, because we can't talk about the kingdom of God without talking about the King of the kingdom, and so. Um, uh, again, you know, I think we talked about this in community being community focused. We can be as broad as we want, or we can be as specific as we want. Um, but I really think that it has to do with this idea where Jesus once again says, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's this idea of bringing justice and mercy to the world. And when I say justice, I don't mean an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Um, I think, what was it, Gandhi? Who said, I, it might have been Gandhi, I don't know. said, oh, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth just leaves the wor- whole world uh, blind and toothless. Um, and, and, and Jesus kind of, not kind of, speaks this way as well. Uh, he says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say, uh, Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those. Uh, so, so Jesus's idea of justice is not uh, retributive. It's not paying back evil with evil. Um, it, it's not you know fighting fire with fire. That is the stupidest, most asinine statement I have ever heard. Um, you don't fight fire with fire. You just get more fire. You fight fire with water. You you fight fire by depriving uh, the the fire of oxygen. And so, how do we fight uh, injustice? We fight it by by being just. How do we fight violence? We fight violence with peace. How do we fight um, uh, retribution? We we fight retribution with mercy and uh, by laying our lives down. As you'll remember from our our last value, we are made in the image of God. And so we must reflect the image of God. And what we see on the cross, we don't see God smiting his enemies. We don't see God in the Pharisees or in the crowd who's saying, crucify him, calling for uh, earthly justice. We don't see... uh, we don't see God in the the Romans who are you know putting nails through his hands. We don't see uh, we don't see God in the disciples who run away in fear. Rather, we see God in the person and the work of Jesus, who says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing." And so, how do we live this out as? As a as a faith community, we do it by bringing justice to the uh, 
to the to the unjustified uh, by offering forgiveness when by all earthly accounts uh, we should be calling for retribution we bring uh, we bring power by setting our power aside we uh, we care for the marginalized of the world. Uh, and that can vary depending on where we are in the world. Um, that might be those, um, those people who have special needs. It might be orphans. It might be widows. It might be um, people of color. It might be, uh, you know, um, bringing equality to women. It, um, Again, it, it can vary based off of our uh, the places we are in life and the the settings which we find ourselves in. I think that um, this is perhaps my 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 favorite passage of scripture is Philippians chapter two, and I think that this to me, even though I don't know if it references the kingdom at all, I think that this is a good understanding of what it means to be a part of the kingdom, to be kingdom-focused. Um, Philippians chapter 2, this is verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from this love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you uh, to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made into human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so what we see is this idea that we are called to lay our lives down for others. Um, and when that happens, what we see is this beautiful thing um, of of seeing the world set right to restoring the kingdom of God to its full and proper order. So I want to hop in here and, uh, you know, we have just a few minutes left. I want to uh, shift our focus to kind of, uh, you know, if, if we're understanding our kingdom focus, if we're understanding what the kingdom is, you know, throughout uh, the our value series or throughout our podcast in general, we are frequently talking about 
uh, other churches. And, and, and again, I don't want to, uh, I don't want it to sound like we're saying no church has it right. And we're the only ones. There's lots of people doing great things. So where do you think that some churches fall short on their kingdom focus or where, where do they unintentionally put their focus that leads them to not accomplishing the same things that we would want to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you realized it, but, um, you actually said the answer in your question. Uh, you Mm. said their kingdom focus, uh, and what we can do, and this is the temptation of, of every church of every leader. It's, it's a temptation of mine. And is, and that is that we focus on our little kingdom and I say little, I'm just talking about with a little K kingdom. How can we make our church better? How can I make uh, my leadership um, uh, wider and deeper and have uh, a bigger audience? Mm-hmm. How can we get more people to sit in our seats? How can we uh, do, like, you hear the common word, we, I, blah, 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 uh, where kingdom focused is... Uh, uh, how do we, how do we bring in the kingdom of God? You know, kingdom of God can can be as simple as helping uh, helping to bring the illiteracy rate of a school up, right? Because we're seeing the world bat brought back to justice. Uh, I think it comes back to this idea of serving, where we. Uh, where we fail, and I say we because, again, I am guilty of this. Um, this is something that uh, uh, I feel like I just need like beat over my head with a tack hammer uh, time and time again, that uh, we're not called to to establish and build up our kingdoms, but to 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 make known and to announce the kingdom of God. Um, and so, I would say that's where we fall short most of the time is that we focus on ourselves. How do we uh, get more butts and seats? How do we get bigger budgets? How do we get more followers on Instagram and Facebook? How do we uh, get more uh, views on our, on our uh, live stream? How do we, um, you know, how do we have a bigger impact so that our kingdom is the spotlight? Yeah. And it, and so the temptation, even not only for other churches, but Harvestgate is, uh, you know, you know, I, I love Harvestgate. It's in a way, it's my brainchild. Um, and there's this big temptation that I want Harvestgate to be known across the the entire uh, galaxy. <laughs> um, um, but what happens when that is the case, and, you know, and I would say that's probably the case for, for many leaders is we end up looking a lot more like the empire than the rebels. Mm. Um, um, and I didn't mean to make that star Wars episode. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> it's but, it's but it like so appropriate. Uh, cause Eli just got a, uh, lightsaber for his birthday and we were Perfect. watching star Wars last night. So yeah, very topical. There you go. Uh, and so, so, uh, you know, and, the bad guys never look like the bad guys to the bad guys, right? <laughs> um, and we can so easily uh, make our, you know, 
I don't want to get political, but I, I might here. Um, we, we do this politically, um, or even with America. We want America to be first. Uh, well, what happens when we make America first, or what happens when we make whatever kingdom first, when it's not the kingdom of God, is that other kingdoms have to fall. And this is not a, a matter, that means if we want our kingdom, if our, our little Harvestgate kingdom to succeed or to be the focus, that means that other churches uh, have to, to fail. That means that other leaders have to, 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 uh, to, to, to not flourish. Uh, but what, what we want, what, what the what kingdom focused is, is that we want the kingdom of God, not, uh, the kingdom of whichever church to flourish. We want the kingdom of God to flourish so that people can be brought back into justice and into right order and, and mercy and grace and love so that eventually they can come to know this God who loves them so much that he sent his one and only son to die in our place for our sins on the cross. Um, and, uh, it's just a matter of laying down our lives and we fail to do that so often. We, we think, uh, we think like Israel, uh, wanting this King and, and God says, no, 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 you don't want a King. I am your King. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think, we think like Rome where we come with military might and economic power. Um, the power of the kingdom of God comes by laying down our. Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, uh, heaven, you have to lay down your life. If you want to take up your life, you must lay it down. And and that's the temptation for all of us. Absolutely. Um, uh, I think this is a, a good, a good day to end with um, you maybe just closing us in, in prayer for Easter for, everybody who's uh who would rather be in church this sunday and for you know very good reasons are hopefully going to stay home and stay safe and uh stay isolated but stay healthy and and stay strong so uh i'll pass it over to you yeah and uh uh you know emily sent this meme a couple uh you know sometime in the in the past couple of weeks uh and it said she said, you know, I find this really encouraging. Uh, she said, the church may be empty, but we should also remember that so is the tomb. Um, and so that's what we're celebrating today. Uh, a victorious king who who has defeated uh, not uh, earthly principalities of flesh and blood, but spiritual unseen kingdoms of... of uh, evil principalities and power. So, so Jesus, we come to you today acknowledging you as the king who sits upon the throne. We thank you that you came to establish your kingdom here and now. And we won't realize the fullness of this kingdom. We won't realize the fullness of uh, of your kingdom come and your will be done until you return and you call us all home. But we do acknowledge that through our obedience to you, we can have a part, an important part, in seeing glimpses of the kingdom of God. 
here and now. Whether that's through loving our neighbor or loving our enemy or serving those who uh, need served, we get to be a part of establishing your kingdom. You have already established it, but we get to, to be a part of it. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you loved your uh, that you loved us, your creation, so much that you sent your one and only Son. We thank you that you rose victorious, vanquishing our foes, uh, and not only saving us from. Uh, from judgment, but saving us to relationship with you, that we might um, spend eternity with you, uh, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, first, ask the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus, may we celebrate this this Resurrection Sunday, uh, with humility and with justice and with love. May we, we remember how you came to establish your kingdom, and may we reflect that same kingdom. And may we go into the world being salt and light and bringing flavor and uh, and and light to a darkened world. So, Jesus, we thank you. We love you, and we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, happy Easter to everyone, and uh, thanks again for your time this morning. It's been fun. Follow us on social media at Harvestgate Network. There are several ways you can engage with us and support the Harvestgate Network at harvestgate.org. You can subscribe to the Harvestgate podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you're as excited as we are about this project, please consider supporting us by sharing, joining our prayer team, or donating on our website. Thanks for listening to the Harvestgate podcast, connecting faith to families, communities, and marketplaces.